Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 212. My name is Adam Patterson. Joining me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. How you doing there, Kevin? Doing pretty good. Awesome. This yes. week on the show, we'll be talking about Ben Wheatley's latest, High Rise, which is now available on VOD. We're going to be talking about another VOD release, which is uh, Pop Meets Void. Hey now. Hey now. VOD Double Dip. Double dip on the VOD this week, so you can check out both of these. You don't have to leave your fucking house. That's right. You don't have to put pants on. No, you don't even have to put pants on. (laughs) No pants. Pantsless. Pantsless Sunday. Actually, you'll probably be listening to this on Monday. Pantsless Monday. (laughs) Uh, We'll also be talking about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Movie predictions, new on video on demand, Blu-ray releases. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's start things off with a little bit of movie news. So yeah. this week, this this was probably of interest to you, Kevin. Turner Classic Movies and Criterion announced oh, yeah. that they're going to be joining forces and launching a new streaming service mm-hmm. called Filmstruck. Yes. Now, I, I would imagine that this has you pretty excited. It does. Because it's going to... Plenty of questions as well, though. Well, they didn't say it in the press release, but... In the in what I gathered from the verbiage and sort of reading between the lines is that it's they're going to be pulling all their stuff from Hulu. It sounds like they're going to be pulling their stuff from Hulu. That was my first question but because does that it also says mean that they're pulling everything from Fandor as well. I don't I don't know because it says at the towards the end of the press release that it's going to be the exclusive outlet yeah. for Criterion releases. So. To me, that means that they're probably not going to have their collections on those other services anymore. Yeah. Which makes sense that they would want everyone to go to their own platform yeah, and not it the other make ones. Sense. But now, again, does that mean that all Criterion movies are going to be found on there? Or I, a I don't think so. I think it's just going to be a selection. I think it'll be a, probably a large selection, but I don't think all of them. Are going to be on there. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's, they probably still have to cut deals with the rights holders of all of those respective movies. And I think that that's, that's going to be the tricky part. I wonder if it's just going to be, you know, what you would normally find on Hulu. It's just going to be there now. Mm, that would be my guess. And then they'll, they'll like periodically update it and add things. And they'll probably remove things too. Just like, you know, Netflix or any of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, it looks like some of the studios that they are going to be partnering with include Janus Films, Flickr Alley, Icarus, Kino, Milestone, Zeitgeist, uh, Warner Brothers. And some of the titles that they already announced that are going to be on there include Seven Samurai, Hard Day's Night, Room with a View, Blood Simple, My Life is a Dog, Mad Max, The Player, Breaker Morant. Oh my goodness. It's just another another streaming service. I have too many to begin with. Well, do you watch? Do you watch anything else on Hulu besides Criterion stuff? Mm, just TV. TV stuff. See, that's why can't I just get? Can't, I need someone to just package everything together. Mm. Okay, <laughs> like this is out of hand. It's too much. It's too much. It's overwhelming, really. You know, it's, it's like I'm, I'm going to watch a movie, but I have so many options now that I can't fucking decide. Yeah, what I want to watch because it's just there's way too many things. Well, no matter what. 
I mean, you either you either have to have all of them, or you have to make some sacrifices and eliminate, you know, some things. Yeah. Because there's no there's no way to get everything in one shot. Like, if you want your TV stuff, pretty much have to have Hulu. If you want all those Netflix original shows and whatnot, gotta have the Netflix. Mm-hmm. Fandor's a little bit of a mishmash, because not only does it have a lot of really obscure indie stuff, but they, they do have exclusive releases on there, too. Like, yeah. they're, they're, like, there's some movies that are coming out just on Fandor. Yep. So, you know, that's that's spot too. I don't know. It seems like they're getting into that more and more now. Mm-hmm. Stuff. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know. Um, I am anxious to see what this film struck thing's all about. I don't know how much it's going to cost. They didn't release a like a price. I would imagine that it's going to be somewhere in, within the nine dollar a month yeah. range. You would imagine it would come in at that price point. It's going to be completely ad free, so no no ads anywhere on there. That's nice. Now they don't they don't do that with Hulu, right? Like with the movies, because I know with the shows they put the freaking ads in the shows, even if you're a Hulu mem- Hulu Plus member. Some of the movies they do it. Ugh, that's the worst. Yeah, and the worst part of it is a lot of times it's just the same commercial. Oh, I know that. Well, that's why I got rid of Hulu. That's why I don't. I, that's why I no longer have Hulu. And even when you're like, this commercial does not pertain to me. <laughs> Next time it comes, the same fucking commercial. It, it drove me crazy. I couldn't handle it. I ended up dropping my Hulu account because I would try to binge watch a show, and it would be the same commercial. Yeah, it's like Korean see, Airlines. Yeah, it's like this is the most bizarre commercial. Mine was always Visit Connecticut. That was always mine. <laughs> I think I, I think I mentioned that before on the show. Uh, so yeah, filmstruck, filmstruck.com. Check it out. I don't know when it's going to be launching. I don't think that they have an exact release date for the for the launch. Um, but it is going to be what did I read? Fall 2016. So it's going to be this year. Okay. So yeah, check that out. Uh, Netflix announced that Wet Hot American Summer is coming back. Oh boy. Yep, they're going to be doing a Wet Hot American Summer ten years later. What? So. If you remember at the end of the original film, they talked about meeting up at the camp 10 years down the line. They're going to do it. Oh, shit. Pretty excited about that, because I actually liked the, the prequel, the first day of camp, quite a bit. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, Su- surprisingly. I Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, di- I didn't really think that they were going to be able to pull it off. And I still think that the, the original movie is funnier. But Well, yeah, I think it's always going to be, too. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's gonna be it's gonna be coming out next year, so twenty seventeen. There's no there's really no uh news as far as if everybody from the cast is coming back or what's going on with that, so we'll have to wait and see. I would imagine that everybody's gonna come back as long as, you know, their schedules allow it. But I know oh, that yeah. also they had to do some creative filming in order to get everybody in with the last one too. Like I remember for the last couple episodes, Bradley Cooper's character wore a ski mask, and it was clearly not him, because he didn't talk at all, and it was just weird. But, yeah, so we'll see about that. Uh, they announced the next Larkloft. Larkloft <laughs> <laughs> is going to be played by Alicia Vikander. So they're, they're rebooting Tomb Raider, and uh, Alicia Vikander is going to be playing Larkloft. I'm actually pretty 
on board with this. So the the new Tomb Raider reboot is going to be uh, a much younger Lara Croft. She's going to be right when she's starting out as her career as a Tomb Raider. Okay. Raiding in tombs. I think it's going to be probably based on the the newer games, the two the two new games that came out over the last couple of years, which were excellent. Okay. So uh, I'm totally on board with that. Uh, the the new games are kind of a much darker, more realistic version of Tomb Raider. Yeah. So mm. I'm totally I'm totally on board with her being the next Lara Croft. It's cool. I mean, uh, hopefully it doesn't. I mean, it didn't screw up Angelina Jolie's career or anything. Even though those the two original Tomb Raider movies were pretty much panned. Yeah. I think they did pretty good at the box office, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe this year and next year are going to be kind of a turnaround for these video game movies <laughs> with Warcraft and Assassin's Creed. Now, Assassin's Creed actually looks like it's, that would be pretty decent. I gotta say the Warcraft, though. Oof. I'll go see it, but yeah. I, I have no, oh my goodness. I, I have no expectations for it. It looks way too animated for me. It, yeah, it just... It looks all different types of awful. Yeah, I have very low expectations for it. But uh, trailers this week got a new trailer for Snowden, which is uh, I, I heard that that's not too good. It's kind of funny. I didn't watch it yet though. Well, I I think one of the things that people will notice right away is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt's doing this kind of Edward Snowden voice, like he's changing his voice to match Edward Snowden and. It sounds like Edward Snowden, but it at the same time feels like an impression. Like it feels like he's doing an impression. Mm. And it's a little jarring, I would say. The movie itself does not look good to me, but I'm not a fan of Oliver Stone in general, so yeah, you know, I'll yeah. probably go see it. It's been delayed quite a like a number of times actually. It was supposed to come out at the end of last year, and it got pushed back. I thought so. There was even another trailer that came out a while back, but they, I guess Oliver Stone said he wasn't quite done with it, so pushed it back. Uh, Fitz, this is a coming-of-age drama that was very popular at Sundance this year. Pretty excited to check this out. It's about a, a young girl yeah. who's, she's like a boxer, and she, there's like a, a dance, a dance troupe that practices in the same place where she boxes and she kind of becomes enamored with them and then eventually joins the team but this strange thing keeps happening to members of the dance team where they like have these fainting spells they have fits looks interesting it does yeah Definitely good trailer does. too the trailer for this one is, is quite good captain fantastic this is uh it's a drama with vigo mortensen about he's he's has like six kids and he's raising them in the forest and he has to his his wife passes away they go back for the funeral and then his father-in-law uh, says that he's going to apply for custody or file for custody of the kids I'm not not really interested in this actually Yeah this looks like one of those straight DVDs <laughs> We also have The Duel, which is a supernatural Western film with Liam Hemsworth and Woody Harrelson, where Liam Hemsworth plays a Texas Ranger who goes undercover to figure out 
there's these murders that are taking place in this small town, and they think that uh, Woody Harrelson, who plays this preacher character, is behind it. And when Liam Hemsworth gets to the town, he finds out that the this guy killed his father 20 years prior. Looks pretty interesting. I'll check it out. It's going to be a uh, VOD thing, so... And finally, Southside with You, which is the uh, Barack Obama, Michelle, what's her, I don't know, I can't remember what her maiden name was. I don't either. The, the, the Obama story, as far as when they were younger and then when they met each other. It's a, a love story. Uh, not, not too interested in this one either, actually. Michelle Robinson. Robinson. Michelle Robinson. I don't think I ever knew that, actually. No, I definitely didn't. Huh, interesting. Either way, not not too interested in that either. No, doesn't sound that interesting. No, not really. It it looks pretty generic, but uh, it's it's not not the type of movie for me to begin with. Mm -hmm. Let's jump into our first review. What do you want to start with? Which one? I I need Matt. Matt. All right, let's start with High Rise. That's That's the larger profile of the two. So this is... Directed by Ben Wheatley, who previously did films like Kill List and Sightseers and A Field in England. I have a synopsis here. Life for the residents of a tower block begins to run out of control. This stars Tom Hiddleston, Jeremy Irons, Sienna Miller, Luke Evans, Elizabeth Moss. Uh, I think I'll start this off. And I feel like I need to, to kind of give a disclaimer that I have not read the novel. So this is based on a novel by J.G. Ballard. And this is apparently one of these really, really popular books that is supposedly like an unfilmable book, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I feel like I should have read the novel before seeing the movie or at least before doing this review, but obviously I didn't have enough time. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is, this is kind of a hard movie to discuss too because it's just it's so out there it's this is a really bizarre movie uh basically at first it has kind of a snowpiercer vibe to it where you have this very defined class system within this this high rise and you have a feeling you just have a feeling that the people on the lower levels are going to start you know getting getting upset about their treatment and stuff like that and the rich people are on the the upper levels and things are very a lot nicer for them up there and you have this kind of slow descent into chaos and madness but the way that this film handles it is a lot different in that it just goes from being fairly normal to being completely batshit crazy and you have no idea what's going on and that's just kind of how it goes and I will say that one thing that the the strongest thing for me was the look of this movie. I I love that kind of 70s it was like this a 70s aesthetic, but it was like a 70s kind of future aesthetic where uh it, it it reminded me of like almost like a like a Kubrick film or even like um Cronenberg's uh Shivers, like how that how that was filmed. And that was definitely the the best part to me is just how everything looked in this movie. I, f- I loved it, loved it. Uh, but the 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 film as a whole, I I don't know. I I don't know what to because I don't really 
I don't, I don't know if they were going for anything with it, but well, it's one of those things where it being, you know, the original novel is from 1975. So I imagine when the, this came out, it was, you know, kind of, kind of a fresh idea. Well, right. It was, was like, the... Oh, okay. Right. Look at this. But now, you know, 2016, when you're watching anything, you're just like, oh, shit, classism again. Oh, my God, it's the same yeah. story. Holy shit, where's this going to end up? Yeah, I, I mean, it was no a, idea. Oh. It, was a, it was a clear statement of Thatcherism where, I mean, even there were even several moments in the movie where they had um, speeches from Margaret Thatcher, like on TV and stuff. So obviously it was, you know, a statement on that. However... It just gets so crazy that you're just like, why are these people doing this? Why is this happening? It just gets, it's so insane what happens and, and bizarre. Yeah. And I mean, it is a lot like Snowpiercer. You, you kind of just wonder if Snowpiercer just stole the idea from High Rise. Just t- I, I don't it. know. I, they, it very well may have. It took it, laid it flat, and was like, fuck, we'll turn it into a train. And then it was like, ah, oh, we'll just tweak the power source a tiny bit, and then boom, there you go. Yeah, I mean, because the... even even the exact same down to the ending with the whole the power source, you know, but it's just tweaked just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, which is like kind of interesting, but I, I don't know. I don't think they really the payoff and the execution of that payoff. I didn't think was that great. Yeah, well, do do you think that that power source was there from the beginning or that they jury rigged that at the end when yeah, things yeah, got yeah. to like this the whole that's Mad what Max. i mean you don't know that's what I mean. that that was what i took away from it like it wasn't like that from the beginning but they did that as a as just a way yeah. to kind of squeeze more power out after shit the shit hit the fan and they're starting to kind of take over yeah but uh I, well the other the, thing that, that, that disappoints me is and I hear I just really it really irritates me when movies do this and High Rise does this is where it starts out with the final destination, right? Like it starts out with him and they're already in the midst of shit got out of control. So you already know the end point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The ending is the beginning. You know where they're gonna end up, and then it goes to you'll cut to three months earlier. Yeah. Like, oh shit, here we go. Let's go back in time, figure out how they got there. And then it just takes forever to get back there. And it's like, we already know. Like, there's, <laughs> there's so no, yeah, there's no tension. Like, there's going to be no surprise. I know where we're going to end up. You already showed me. Like, let's just, let's get there. All right. Or at least make it interesting. And then, hell, it just, and then it like montages over like most of the normal parts. And then all of a sudden, it's just a Portishead music video for a little bit. I like I loved that scene. I loved it too, but it was just like now we're just a music video. Like what what is the point of this? What are we doing? Yeah, that was like one of, probably my favorite scene, the the SOS cover. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Um well that was the interesting thing about this was that my favorite parts were everything that happened before uh it, it got crazy. Like I oh, liked yeah. I liked yeah. the the kind of interactions that Tom Hiddleston was having with these people because the, he, so we, we follow Tom Hiddleston who's, he plays a doctor and he, the interesting thing about him is that he kind of floats in between the, the upper and the lower class yeah. areas. So he, he's kind of the go between. And I, I liked that how, you know, there was this very clear divide between what was happening between these like societies 
and he was kind of stuck in the middle. He was like an observer, and he he wasn't trying to get involved in what they what was happening. But he ends up being in like kind of a really bad place because of it. Yeah, because he's just kind of un- almost reluctantly becoming the mediator between right. the two. You know, just trying to keep things from getting out of control. Which you're right, like the and I think that the part of it is the out of control. It's just so familiar. You know what I mean? Well, like to me, to me, there wasn't enough of a a buildup. It was like there was this buildup. You could feel the tension rising, but then all of a sudden, it was like a a light switch where they all just went insane. Like every single character went insane at the same yeah. time, and it was just like, what is going? It it felt so. It was so jarring to me when you know you have these kind of aristocratic type people who were very hoity-toity and all of a sudden they're just they've devolved into these like primal beasts like overnight and it just it just didn't feel natural it didn't feel right to me well i think if there was more of a build-up to that well and that's the that's the weird thing is there's so much build-up to it but it seems at one point they just like wheatley just doesn't know how to do the build up anymore. Right. It's like the pacing is off. That's what it okay, is. Okay, let's just get into the, the craziness. And of course it just like montages into the craziness too. Right. Like yeah. All this build up and then it's just like, oh let's do like a montage. Like everything gets crazy and then, you know, full on anarchy and there's trash everywhere. Yeah. And and so it's like just garbage. They're living in garbage at that yeah. point. Which is <laughs> the and I know it's really stupid to get kind of hooked up on the logistics of a of a dystopian novel from 1975. But it's just funny to me that they're still building another high rise. Oh, yeah. Literally like 150 feet away. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, what the, what's going on over there? It's just like everything's just normal. Right. Well, I often thought about that. Like, what's happening to the, to the outside world at this point? Like, do, 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 do people not realize what's going on in this high rise? Like, I was so confused. I was confused about the logistics. Like, is the is the rest of the world just normal, and the people in this high rise are just completely insane? Like, that's why, why, why don't they just leave? That's like, what I'm saying. It's like, just just leave the high rise because it was just like leave. they couldn't. It was like they could not leave. They were well, they, stuck there. I also like the fact that you know they go because this the high rise has so many amenities there's the gym there's the pool the spa right. it has its own supermarket you know mm-hmm. it has all these things and i love the fact that like they're out of food like supermarkets just there's nothing left except for like a can of paint and some chub cans of chub and like that's all that's left and some cornflakes but at the same time it seems like they have this never-ending flow of cigarettes into the high rise <laughs> yeah like everyone always had cigarettes yeah. And I'm just like, where are they getting their cigarettes from? And they why must have can't, why can't giant you giant cartons? Yeah, I don't know. I mean maybe maybe that's just maybe that's all part of it is that they the fact that they could leave anytime they wanted and made a conscious decision not to. Yeah. You know, kind of maybe that all just plays into the meaning behind all of this. Because the the funny thing is, and I was trying to figure out like why all this was happening, and the only thing I could come up with is there's there's one line where the the upper class people are sitting around, and it's after they had like a big party the night before, and they decide that they're going to party harder than the the lower the the lower level people, and that's what it all came down to was that they decided that they're going to out party 
the lower class people. And that's yeah. what it was. It was just like a giant. They were just trying to party harder. <laughs> and it just gets out of control. It does, sure does. I, I get this feeling that, because I haven't read the novel either. And I imagine that there's some really good ideas examined in Ballard's novel. I just, I don't feel like I got that sense from Wheatley's movie, though. Like, I didn't really see anything that was like, oh, that's interesting. You know what I mean? There's nothing really to investigate or examine. Right. Like, he doesn't really posit anything. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. But but then again, maybe it's word for word from from the novel. And there's just nothing in the novel, too. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know. It is a bizarre little movie, that's for sure. I mean, but it looks great. Uh, I love everything about the visuals I was completely on board with. Especially that elevator. Oh, yeah, the mirror, the mirrored elevator. It should have just, it should have just taken place in the elevator. That's that's why I liked everything before things went <laughs> into was, chaos because everything was... looked so awesome, and then after everything got destroyed, it was just like garbage city. Yeah, what it did was it was more interesting too, and it was kind of funny at times too because they're like just slowly, you know, like when they first come out, and he's like, "Hey, can you give me a ride?" And he's like, "Well." I wish I could, oh, yeah. but I can't find my car. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> me either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, it's just starting to happen. It's interested in that way. But That's then what... once it gets into the, you know, shit hits the fan, everything's out of control and garbage city. Again, like I said, it's just, it's kind of familiar. Like, okay, yeah, I've seen this movie before. I, okay, we're going to devolve and we're just going to beat people up and murder people and rape people. Like, okay. Yeah, that's gotcha. that's why that's why in the end I found that the the that part of it less interesting than I I like the idea of Tom Hiddleston coming into this, you know, newly newly opened high rise and just seeing I mean, I guess it was newly opened, right? Like yeah. cuz the film started with him moving in, but I think everybody was moving in recently, right? Yeah, but, this is like the beginning of this utopia of right. all the classes living together. And that was the, some of the most interesting stuff to me was seeing how it all functioned, you know, seeing all the different floors and all of the, like, the, the supermarket. And I love the look of the supermarket, how everything just looked so colorful, yet Dead. plain. Like, <laughs> yeah. devo- devoid of, <laughs> like, anything as far as, like, logos and stuff like that. And it, Yeah, and it was kind of interesting in the fact that where you have him kind of stuck in the middle where... The people below him think that he's too good for them, but then the people above him think that he's not good enough for them, and he's kind of stuck in between, where he's a bit too far away from the lower class, but he's just as far away from the upper class as well. And him trying to, you know, they even kind of point out, like, oh, he knows his place. Yeah, and I think it was the uh, the lower class. I think it was like Luke Evans that wanted him to kind of infiltrate the upper the upper class people and kind of spy on them or maybe it was the other way around but one of the groups wanted him to kind of report back on that and i know that luke evans wanted him to try to get uh get him an interview with the architect because after luke evans goes crazy he decides to make a documentary about the high rise bit too uh bit too long in the tooth <laughs> Just spends too much time on that tired storyline yeah lost interest really they just keep eating dogs. Just keep eating them dogs. They do eat. They eat, eat a lot of dogs. They definitely do eat a lot of dogs. Eating them dogs, man. 
and paint walls. Like he, Tom Hiddleston gets this weird obsession with painting his wall and does a terrible job of it too. That doesn't make any sense. He had one can of paint, and twenty five percent of that was on his person. It's always fit like he painted an eye and his tie. He, and he, he, yeah, like his his whole suit was covered in paint. Like he painted himself, and then he painted all the walls. He painted yeah, the boxes. On. You can't. You can't be painting an entire apartment with one can of paint. Bullshit. Well, he had that little tester can too. So it was like one one and a quarter cans of paint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but even the, I mean, most of that tester can had to be on him. Pretty much, yeah. I'd say so. He was just spilling that shit left and right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm really, I feel really conflicted about this movie because I just don't know. It's sort it of looked- like how I felt about A Field in England, actually, where it was like, it was like visually gorgeous. I love the style, but I just don't know how I feel about it. Just kind of empty. Kind of empty to me. It seems like it's, it's, it's encroaching on something interesting narratively speaking or you know idea wise but just it never gets there and just decides to go on a detour of like hey let's just be visually visually interested instead and let's just let's have shit get out of control bunch of dancing and violence (laughs) yeah isn't that what you want tim hiddleston's dancing playing some squash yeah there's there's some squash playing in there they got a lot of squash action in there which doesn't, that sport just doesn't make spe- sense to me. I don't know what the hell they're doing. Like they handball. They're just whacking a ball against the wall. Yeah. Looks dangerous as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, any final thoughts on High Rise? Uh, eh. Looks good. Yeah. That and scene then... when, the dude, when the dude jumps off the building, it's pretty awesome. The slow-mo. That was, that was pretty decent. I, I hated the... Uh, the kaleidoscope trifecta oh, yeah. stabbing thing. That was just, what the hell is he thinking there? Yeah, I wasn't too into yeah, that. But... It didn't work. as a dud, dud of a climax. Yeah. I you liked know, the, I, mean, I did like the kid. Weird. The kid with the glasses. I liked yeah, him. He was far more interesting. He reminded me of the kid from Moonrise Kingdom. He did a little bit, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well. All right, well, there you have it. That's High Rise. Let's go ahead and give this thing a score. Ooh, uh, this is a toughie. Uh, I'm gonna say, oh man, I'll, I'll I'll give it a five and a half. Yeah, I think I'm like a five and a half. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go five and a half. And that's almost purely on visuals alone, and probably the first half, because I was really into the first half. Yes, yes. Before before that shit hit that fan. Yeah, I just I don't know. I guess it was just the execution of that was didn't didn't grab me it just wasn't it, it really started to lose me after that yeah just, then it started to feel really repetitive too yeah exactly that's what i mean it's just it's just the same thing over and, and it's not the same thing that we've seen in how many other different movies yeah yeah all right well they have mm-hmm. it high rise is playing on vod platforms right now so you can check it out let's talk about our next movie pop meets the void this is written and directed by william cusick I have a synopsis here. In a hyper-real combination of live action and animation, an unhinged musician preoccupied with self-mythologizing daydreams struggles to release his first album after 15 years of recording songs alone. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of Pop Meets the Void? Um, this is another difficult one. I know. Well, um, 
And w- wait till you get to to the watch list. I had several difficult ones this week. There's, it's one of those where it's like equal parts. I really enjoyed it because it was something different, and then equal parts of just not enjoying it whatsoever because it kind of gets repetitive after a little bit. Uh, the, the most interesting thing to me was is you never know exactly what is like the real reality in this film. Like, what's the base? And then what are the dreams? Yeah, that are because the offshoots of it, or the right. you know the different realities. Like everything's just equal, or like on an equal plane of I don't know which one is which. Like what's the reality and what's not? Yeah. So the way that it's structured, it's you have this guy who, in like in the uh, in the synopsis, he's struggling to make his album, and he has these kind of daydreams. So you go into that daydream, <laughs> and you have another character who is like a big big time he like he made it like he's uh successful and he's famous and all this stuff but then he has daydreams too and then you can you go into those so it's like dreams within dreams yeah about these characters who are you know imagining themselves as other people when the other thing is i couldn't tell because the the main character walter who's played by the director william cusick he changes so much. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Is that him in the other ones? I think it is. Because he looks so fucking different. I know. And I'm like, is this a different person entirely? Or is this just the same guy with a different look? Yeah, I was I was having a really hard time with that, too. Because he does look completely different. Like, there's there's him, and then there's the, the big big time star version of him and then there's the office version of him yeah where he's like clean shaven he's yeah. got short hair he's got glasses and then the original version of him is like long hair with beard mm-hmm. and then the made it guy where he kind of does this like i don't know if it's like a daft punk dead mouse vibe yeah yeah look where he puts the with that like emo haircut yeah he's got the emo haircut thing going on which you know that music is completely different than the music that the bearded guy's doing and it's just like it's all over the place, and you're trying to piece it together. Which, well, not only that, but there's another one too. Yeah, the guy that he starts working with. There's the guy in the white in the white room, the drummer guy. With his, he's just having trouble with batteries. <laughs> he's in a wood room. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that if that battery exploded in your face like that, you'd be in you you would have burns. I, you, I well, maybe that's where his skin conditions coming from. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and I think the visuals were in the beginning. I would say they were. I found them quite interesting. I didn't like one, it. The animations and stuff—they were okay, but they got—they were a bit repetitive after a while, weren't they? It was kind of like the same thing, where it's just yeah. like little floating, shifting squares and shapes and whatnot, just changing colors. And it's just like that's—it's just that over and over and over again. Like it, I thought, it, I thought it was an interesting. What I thought it was an interesting way to present it, but just for me, it I didn't really, I didn't really like the like the animation style. It just well, after like, a while, it becomes it comes becomes a bit unnecessary, doesn't it? Yeah, especially like the like how the backgrounds and the settings and stuff. Yeah, are. like the coffee shop, uh, yeah. like scene and stuff. Like when he goes to the coffee shop, and it's like it's like they took pictures and like they put the pictures together and then made that. As sort of yeah. the backdrop, it's like kind of like a collage of like yeah. snapshots and stuff. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's different, but yeah. it just it I don't know, it just didn't really work for me. 
No. And like, uh, there are some other scenes too where he puts in like animated flourishes. Like one scene that I'm remembering is like he's on a train and stuff, and it just looks. I don't know. It looks. Uh, you know what it reminds me? Of? It reminds me of like uh, like Kung Fury, or like one of those where they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, use a lot of green screen and animate yeah. over top of the live action. But yeah, I, I thought that some of it was funny. Uh, my favorite parts were when it was just Walter, when it was just the main guy trying to make his album and the fact that he he didn't have any like style. He had no voice. He had nothing to say. <laughs> and just pe- people struggling with him. Like like when he was in the uh, like the, the recording studio. And the, like the producer was just trying to get something out of him, and he was just like nothing. Well, it's just it is kind of funny because there's no he's operating with like no pretenses whatsoever, and he just knows that his music's kind of mediocre. Yeah, and he knows that he doesn't really have like anything to say. Like it's not like his lyrics aren't special; they're just words, and he knows that. He just likes the way they sound together. And people are really having a difficult time with that. Yeah. And I will say that, for the most part, I enjoyed all the music. I did, too, actually. Uh, the, the music is... There, there is a nice variety. Like, the, there's yeah, no... It's, like, it's all over no, the place. Yeah, there's no specific style to the music, so there's, like, all different... It, it kind of uh, encompasses a lot of different genres and stuff, and I liked, I liked almost all of the songs that were in there. Which I think he, he did all the music. With two other guys well it's impressive it's it's it is impressive it and is that's good. the that's because of the nature of the, the film's narrative itself and then with him doing all the music it, to me i kind of get i was a bit confused because i'm not sure if if he's more about the music or the filmmaking because even though i did like the music at times it is a bit relentless because it's always playing there's yeah. always music yeah always and half the time, like 70% of this movie is just like, it's like a music video. It, it feels like a music video, yeah. Where the center stage is the music, okay? And after a while, it gets, even though I like it, but after a while, it just, it becomes overwhelming at times. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that. There's also another character uh, who's played by Joel Marsh Garland. He's a movie blogger. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm not, I mean, I don't really know why he was there. He, he was in there. I'm not sure either. I'm not, I'm not sure what, what that was all about, but I appreciated his character. Thought it, <laughs> I thought it was funny. <laughs> got a little close to home, but because <laughs> I can, yeah, because I can. <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's moments of that where he, it is kind of funny. Yeah. A couple of, you know, the words that they go down, like that when he does. When that uh, that fans like, oh, you should, you got to do podcasts. Mm-hmm. Cause that's where like everyone has a podcast. That's what they do now. And then he goes oh, on that podcast. Yeah, and they just rip him apart. <laughs> <laughs> but they even they even know too that they're failed musicians just yep. as much as he is. Yep. <laughs> I thought that that whole scene, the, the whole podcast scene, was great. I thought it was really fun. I did. Uh, yeah. I I had, <laughs> I wish there was more of that because the the two women that play the podcasters I really like their characters and yeah there th- needed to be more of that well that that was the thing like my my favorite parts of of this film were all of the just 
everything with him just trying to decide what he wanted to do and promote his music and all of that stuff. It wasn't necessarily, you know, the dream sequences. It wasn't necessarily like the actual performances. It was just him trying to just, just trying to figure it out, you know, just trying to figure out what's going on in his life. And those were all like my favorite. Cause I thought that they were like the funniest parts too. Yeah. The, the thing that I disliked the most was the little, you know, I don't know if it was the actual reality or if it was the dream where he was, you know, the button down with an office job and a wife and a kid and everything. That reality it was just annoying. Well, well and that, yeah, that, that actually reminds me of uh, there's a whole other side plot that's happening involving that guy's wife and daughter. And like she's, I guess she's sort of a failed artist as well. And she's trying to, I guess, project that onto her daughter. And she's kind of this, you know, what do they call those moms? Yeah, uh, I forget. Whatever. Whatever the, the moms are that <laughs> try to live vicariously through their children and make them. Yeah, kind of forcing her to do these videos. That yeah. Kind of break into the film business or whatever. And it's just, yeah. I found that irritating. Yeah, I, I didn't think that it added much to no, and the it just... story. Because, because the, you know, the theme was already pretty well planted in at that point. Like, we, we, get, we get what, you know, this is about you know the artistic struggle and all of that yeah and it's just kind of irritating because he was like it's all kind of framed as this like his wife won't let him like follow his dreams or play his right. music like she's her character is just kind of ridiculous where it's like oh there can only be one artistic person in the family and she like even when she has her interview and she's kind of making fun of him and putting him down it's just like, yeah give me a break come on yeah, that was the other thing is like they turned turned it into sort of a documentary too, where they interviewed all of these people that were. So it was almost like at some point he did make it, or at least <laughs> made it enough to have a documentary made about his life. So they were interviewing the people in his life, or someone else is just dreaming about making a documentary. Yeah, yeah, that that could all be part of the the fantasy as well. I guess. Someone else's dream we don't even know of. Yeah. And then, they, you know, there's just so much going on. And I think at times it's a bit too much. Like, it's, it's extremely ambitious. I'll right, it is, it is very ambitious. Yeah. And for the most part, it's pretty successful. It does a pretty damn good job of... Because it's just an overload. It is. <laughs> there's there's a lot going on. There's just way too much going on. And I think that would have, like, really helped if they just... They kind of cut a little bit more out. Yeah, maybe tightened up the focus a little bit because yeah, because they because they even periodically follow Walter's brother too, who's this kind of yeah, like he like a marketing up. marketing executive guy, I guess. Yeah, and he comes out of nowhere. You know, he's introduced like hell almost halfway through the film. And yeah, she's like damn, now we got another reality. Yeah, and, you know the drummer too. You got that guy going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to lot to process. Going on. And then it gets dark for a little bit with the drummer guy like blowing his brains out and hanging himself and shit. Yeah. It's like, damn, now we're dark. I didn't yeah, I didn't particularly like those no, I didn't. fantasy sequences either in the white room. I did like one That felt was, very music video esque to me. Oh, very much so. The only the one that I did enjoy where I think it might have been like the second to last one or whatever, where there was like the crowd outside his windows. 
and how like the frame and everything were highlighted with white light projected mm-hmm. onto it. I like how they did that. I thought that was snazzy. Snazzy. Snazzy look to yeah, it. There's a couple snazzy things in this in this movie, but yeah. Overall I'd say definitely uh, a a good effort. I was I found it entertaining, mm-hmm. but maybe just make like you know, just tighten it up a bit. Got got a lot going on. A lot going on in this one. Jam packed, packed to the gills. I would say it's worth checking out just because the, the music's quite good and it, it did make me laugh at several points, so Yeah. I'd say it's it is worth a look. I would agree. Alright. Cool. Any final right. thoughts on Pop Meets the Void? Uh interestingly enough, I enjoyed it more than High Rise, but at the same time didn't. If that makes any sense. Well, I'm I'm actually pretty much on equal ground with the two, so my score for Pop Meets the Void is gonna be another five and a half. I'd say five and a half, six. Yeah. That's where I go. Slash. I mean I'm I'm uh I'm definitely gonna be I, I'm coming coming out of Pop Meets the Void with a a more positive outlook than with High Rise. Like I mean High Rise didn't crush my opinion of Ben Wheatley. Like I'll still watch his next movie, but with William Cusick, like I was not I've never seen anything that he's done before and now I'm kind of he's on my radar now, you know? Yeah. Like I'm interested to see what what he's going to be doing next. Yeah. I'm with you. And I may I may try to seek out some of his, you know, previous short films to see to see more of him. So, yeah. That's Pop Meets the Void. That's available now on uh, VOD. Looks like you can get it for uh, for 3.99 on Amazon. So, it's playing like everywhere. Yeah. Well, interest. Interestingly, I this movie was not. I wasn't even aware of this until he actually emailed us. I only knew about it because I I follow him on Twitter. It's like I kind of want to see that. Cool. I didn't know. I didn't know it was coming out though. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Cool. All right, let's uh, move on and talk about some of what we've been watching on the watch list. Oh boy. Uh, Kevin, starting. We, we can we can start with you. Okay. I wanted. Martial arts just wanted it bad the other day, so I ended up watching Ip Man from 2008. Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, little Donnie Yen action, little Donnie Yen action, biopic, sort of a biopic, a little bit, a little bit. There's a shit ton of Ip Mans, yeah, there's a lot of them. There's too many, in my opinion. (laughs) Yes, there is. There's a bit too many Ip Mans. Um, but I ended up checking out the first one from 2008, Wilson Yip. And I got what I wanted. My martial arts was great. All the fighting sequences, you know, the choreography from Sammo Hung, it's fantastic. They are just unbelievable to watch. Um, Everything that occupies the in-between, between all the fight scenes, is just really bad. It's it's just bad. Yeah, it definitely falls into that martial arts, uh, like, trap, where it's like everything in between is just a little sappy. It's a little sappy, a little cheesy. And it's and it's almost worse because I mean it's okay when you're watching like a Bruce Lee movie and it's just, you know, like the narrative is really simple, like, hey, they keep fucking up that place that his family owns or his cousin owns or whatever, and he's helping out. Yeah. This one you know, they're trying to get in with his family, but they don't really develop his family at all, his wife and his kid. Um Donnie Yen has like the same look on his face all the time no matter what the situation is. Like, I don't know what he's doing acting-wise. <laughs> he, like, he just has that look of, like, 
I'm trying to be really nice and happy, no matter what the situation is. It just looks so bizarre. And then, you, you know, and it's trying to encompass so many things of where it just, it starts out with all these places opening up kung fu schools, academies, in where he lives. And of course, he's the greatest person ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they're trying to like legitimize themselves, but they suck and they get their shit kicked out of them. And then like, I don't know where there's like an out of towner that comes in. And then all of a sudden it's just, cause you have that narrative going on. And then all of a sudden it just segues into like the Japanese invade China and take over. And now it's a war movie all of a sudden. It's like, what, what, what the fuck happened? Like it was like a tongue in cheek, like out of towners coming in and kicking the shit out of all the schools. And he wants to, to fight it, man. And, all, and then all of a sudden it's a Japanese war movie. It yeah. just felt very bizarre. Cause then all of a sudden shit got really serious. But they were still trying to, like, go for that sappy, sweet, like, everything's wonderful. And, I mean, they mythologized the shit out of him. Cause <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> he single-handedly destroys the Japanese army. Yeah. Anytime yeah. he comes into contact with them. And I do, I kind of like that, because essentially he's fucking Superman. Like, yeah. no one even comes close to beating this guy. <laughs> the only fight... Is the one at the end where he the the Japanese general? It's the only one where like he the Japanese general actually lands like maybe like four or five hits. Yeah, everything else is just him destroying, destroying. Just, and the, and I love how they do it with like he does it with a feather duster. Mm-hmm. This guy with a feather duster, and then another time it's like a long stick. He kicks the shit out of two guys, and it's incredible to watch. I did love it. I loved every minute of him kicking the shit out of everybody. You should check out Flashpoint. I don't, I don't know if you've, that's from. That's another Wilson Yip with Donnie Yen, and uh, it's a modern action okay. movie. Yeah, I'm and gonna check that out. It's re- it's awesome. It's really good. I just love every time like a, a fight would start. I'm just like God, I love this. Yeah, please. Yeah, just... you'll yeah you'll like Flashpoint. There's some like more. There's obviously more gunplay in that one than <laughs> It Man, but. Uh, it's still awesome. It's got a lot of but great also, martial just arts. The, and the way in which they film everything is fantastic. All the fight scenes, I'm saying, not the, the other stuff. Right. Not so I mean, that's what, that's what Wilson, yep, he's good at that stuff. You know, he's, I think that that's, that's kind of his wheelhouse. Because I love how he would, in, you know, certain moments he would slow it down so you yeah. can kind of catch everything that's going on. He likes to play with, like, slow-mo, and he does, like, the slow-mo and then speed up and stuff like that. I mean... Remember he did that in Bullets Over Summer. Remember Bullets Over Summer? Oh yeah, <laughs> love that movie. I want to rewatch that actually. I forgot it. Oh man, Wilson Yip. Yeah, man. I forgot about him. I Bio, really... Bio Zombie. Yeah, one of the really best zombie that, movies. Uh, really want to see that SPL. Mm-hmm. I have not. I have not seen that. Yeah. He did do Bio Zombie and Bullets Over Summer. You gotta be kidding me. Oh, yeah, man. man. Wilson Yip. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He did Flashpoint, too, which you should definitely check out. Oh, I'm definitely going to check that shit out. It's really good. It's awesome. All right. Uh, I saw Tale of Tales, so... <laughs> uh, this this week, for me, has just been... like Almost every one of the movies I saw has been either surreal or just bizarre in some way. I'm really... like I'm just... I'm so burnt out on... Weird, weird movies right now. Uh, so I would say I I liked this overall. Too long, 
too yeah. freaking um, long. I was, I was like, I was just done with it by the end. I was like, all right, this is. I would also say that it was really the casting, like John C. Riley as the king. <laughs> What's? I mean, I know he's not in it that much, but well, what yeah. a bizarre choice. Well, and what's going on with like? Seems like there's a lot of movies where it's like John C. Riley's in it, and you're like, okay, cool, and then he's in it for like three minutes. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, what? The f- how do you get away with that? I mean, he hunts a sea monster, which is so awesome. Cool. That is such a great sea. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I, g- I gave this a three out of five on Letterbox vis- on visuals alone because holy crap, this movie looks amazing. I mean, di- not not just like the uh like the special effects or the the or whatever just the like the production design on this like the the castles and the rooms that they're in like that the white that crazy white room where it's like so ornate like the oh yeah the the walls the walls intricate carvings all over the walls i mean that the costume design in this is out of control just everything about the look and then i mean probably the most gorgeous thing is that river or lake or uh whatever that that stream that's like nestled in the rocks there where he goes to hunt the sea monster mm-hmm. it's freaking gorgeous i know with that like i don't know what kind of rocks of shale or it's whatever just incredible to be like you know big budget big budget movie like this you know we don't really get that nowadays anymore yeah i mean this is a this is an absolutely gorgeous movie it's just you know, no doubt about that. A big budget maybe to deal with John C. Riley fighting a sea monster and an oversized flea. Yeah, Toby but, Jones with his pet flea. <laughs> um, you know, it, it may, I don't know. I guess it's interesting how they incorporate the the like three stories and how they kind of connect them up. Very very loosely connected, but. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was okay. It was, it was interesting enough. There's a lot of great moments in it, but there's also just a lot of nothing going on. Yeah. Like you said, it's just too long. Yeah. They, they definitely needed to trim it down a bit. I wasn't the, the story with, uh, Vincent Cassell and the two sisters. I just wasn't that into that one because mm-hmm. I knew where it was going. Cause obviously it's like two very young people wearing old people makeup. So I knew <laughs> that something's gonna happen here where they're gonna turn young. Yeah. But overall, it was. I mean, it's worth a look for sure, just on visuals alone. And I hope that it does get some awards consideration because, woo, yeah, fun one. Yeah, Telltales. Telltales. <clears throat> um, I have a bizarre one that I watched, but for different reasons. <clears throat> I watched Sisters, the Amy Poehler, Tina Fey one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. it was a meh. It was a meh. I didn't know that it's like I didn't know what the story was. I just knew that they played sisters, right? And you know, I get the Netflix DVD, and of course, the main plot of the whole thing is they go back to their childhood home because their parents are selling the house, and they decide to throw one last high school party with all their former classmates, like just have a banger, man. Just be, be young, carefree again, which is like I'm not interested in that at all. I thought they were just going to be quirky sisters, you know, goofing Putting off. Yeah, goofing off and making jokes. I didn't know it was going to be a party movie. Ugh. And the party aspect of it is just terrible. It's so awful. And then it just devolves into like Amy Poehler's 
um, love interest, because she's recently divorced, and her love interest falls on a ballerina, a little music box, and goes up his butt. So that's a... That's yeah, a, I saw it in the trailer. Yeah, that's a whole thing. I didn't know that was... It's just like, oh, Jesus. There's a guy from yeah. TV. I mean, there's some funny moments here and there, you know, with... Because they're, they're good with throwaway lines and stuff like that. But it just... All of a sudden, it just... It goes down that road. And it just becomes one of those movies where everything's just lazy. You know, and every, the house starts getting wrecked. And it's just... oh. After a while, it just all becomes unbearable. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Not what I thought it was going to be. I guess I should read things sometimes. <laughs> uh, I saw kind of an experimental documentary called Heart of a Dog, directed oh, by Laurie Anderson. I want to see this. Yeah, I, want, I was really excited to see this. I've been wanting to see this for a while, and it's actually available on HBO Go right now, so you can check it out there. Um, I liked this quite a bit. I mean, it's, it's a little rough around the edges. Some of, some of the, some of the visuals look really good and some of them look really bad. Um, one thing that, that I don't like in movies and, and TV, some TV shows do this too, is like the kind of false slow motion that gets used where it, they just lower the frame rate. So instead of looking like things are moving slowly, it looks like things are just being choppy. Um, and I don't know how to describe it other than, other than that, but it just, it doesn't look good. Yeah. And that they use, she she does that in this. And then sometimes she does this really awkward freeze frame stuff where like, it'll be a video playing and then it'll freeze and then it'll zoom in. And it just looks so like a lot of this movie looks very amateurish. It just looks really amateurish. But that being said, the, the, the kind of like lyrical nature of this movie is really what held my attention. She basically, it's just about her kind of eulogizing her, her dog who passed away. And she kind of juxtaposes that with these ruminations on, um, nine 11 and government surveillance and stuff like that. And it sounds kind of ridiculous, but it's just basically her, giving her thoughts on life and death and the society in general. And it's just really interesting. Uh, it's all done through uh, voiceover. So if, so I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a turnoff for you, Kevin, but I mean, it's all voiceover. It's essentially her reading. Um, That'll be okay. I don't like voiceover in, you know, in narrative. Things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is definitely different. Yeah. It's definitely different. Uh, but it's very, very experimental. I mean, a lot of, uh, there's like some archival type footage of like home movie footage, uh, like still image imagery. And then she kind of overlays things on top of that. And then she kind of messes around with photos and kind of makes them look like they're moving. And it's just a lot of, you know, random images and random colors and saturation and things that are happening. Uh, a lot of the stuff, like she photoshops some of the photos and stuff, and it looks terrible because she just uses like the stock Photoshop filters <laughs> that that look bad, like the charcoal one. Um, is it charcoal or sketch? I think it's a sketch one. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it like turns everything kind of black, black and white, but also like with it's just like black lines that make up the photo. It, it's just, it just doesn't look great. Um, 
but overall, I did like it quite a bit, and it's uh, it's a really interesting watch. It's it's pretty short; it's only seventy five minutes, which that was just the right length. Anything longer than that, I was probably gonna get tired of it. But uh, it did manage to hold my attention, and it's just it was really interesting to hear her thoughts on life. Hmm. It's very a very poetic uh, movie. So yeah, I would recommend checking it out. Part of a dog. I really want to see that one. Um, I watched one. It's up at uh, up on there over at the No Budge right now. A little seventeen minute short film called Shelley, directed Shelley. by Lauren Lauren Rothery. And uh, it's kind of like a this mix of thirty five millimeter Super Eight uh, VHS, a little bit of everything going on here. And it's just uh, it's about this girl who's she's working on her own film, right? And she's kind of making this uh, it's like a documentary hybrid type thing where she's making a movie about a seahorse. Um, and then she also has. She's hired, or I don't know if she's hired them or if they're just doing this or whatever, but there's a two-man documentary crew that are making a film about her, making her own movie. And her movie, of course, is about the seahorse, but it's kind of getting into love and how seahorses are monogamous and all these things. And it's just, it's really, really interesting what she does with it. Like, out of nowhere, there's just turns into the surreal, where it just comes out of nowhere. Um, the way that she blends all the the various film formats together looks fantastic. Um, the way in which she, the the main character Shelley, kind of gets she becomes, in a sense, the the seahorse that she's making the movie about. You know, about you know talking about love and everything, and then she kind of gets trapped into it with her her coworker and the people that are doing the documentary of her. It's just it's different. Yeah. It's quite good. Cool. And that's, uh, I'm assuming, available for free on No Budge right now. Free. You can just fucking go right there now. Cool. And that's that's called Shelly? Shelly. Cool. Uh, I saw Lemonade. This is the Beyonce film. I don't see this. How's everyone seeing this? Uh, So it was available on HBO for like two days, and then they took it down. You can, as far as I know, you can still get it on iTunes. I think, and then there's also whatever that streaming service is that that Jay Z owns. Oh, you can get it on there, I think. Yeah, but yeah, they. I don't know why HBO took it down. I guess maybe it was just a, like an agreement that they had with, with with her. I don't know. It's but it's not there anymore. So, hmm. um, fortunately, I was able to see it the day after it came out. So anyway, uh. This is this was a surprise. Uh, the reason that I was interested in it is because the the night that it came out, I was like, ah, whatever. I'm not. I wasn't. I, I did see their last uh, HBO thing that they did. The was it called On the Run? The one that she did with Jay Z, and that was really good. Um, but I don't particularly like Beyonce's music, so I wasn't that interested. Yeah. Uh, however, the the day after it came out, everybody was talking about how amazing it was. So I was like, all right, I got to check this out. And uh, it's pretty damn good. Like, I was really, really surprised. I mean, there not only is that there's a, a surprising number of really, really talented uh, directors and cinematographers that were involved w- with this project, um, but it, man, it is like a visual smorgasbord. It's it, like some of the some of the segments and some of the things in this look amazing. Like, I was 
blown away by this. Yeah, that's kind of... I've heard so many good things. And, you know, of course, I saw some screenshots here and there. It's like, damn, that's amazing. pretty incredible. Because I remember her... Oh, I forget what that song is. That one that, that, you know, she did the video for and it caused, caused an uproar with her, you know, laying on top of that cop car as it went down into the water. I forget what that song was called, but that that video was fantastic. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And then I learned that uh, Kalika Law is mm-hmm. like one of the cinematographers. Yeah, like, he was one of the cinematographers. I'm like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're yeah. serious? Uh, uh, Jonas Ockerlin was one of the directors, and I like most of his videos that he does as well. Um, Mark Romanek also did. He was also one of the directors. What? Uh, lot, a lot of really talented people involved in this. Um, so yeah, I would say mm-hmm. check it out. Uh, it's very, there's, there's a, an essay, if, an essay that came out this week that compares the the influences that the directors and cinematographers had while making this with filmmakers and they draw comparisons they do, they do side by side comparisons between lemonade and um various works of david lynch terrence malick and then there's like several other kind of more obscure directors that they compare that it, it's really interesting a lot of the influence comes from and this is terrible because i can't remember but it was the first female the first african-american female director that had a film released nationwide and that oh, yeah daughters of the dust da- yeah daughters of the dust it was julie dash yeah and Which is the great thing about that because i've heard about this movie for so long and i've been dying to see it and just recently it got picked up by yeah it's getting re-released yeah i forget who who what company's doing it but and i'm you know that's one of the it probably came out of this because that's what everyone was talking about when yeah. it came out, which thank goodness. Finally, we get to see this. Uh, I would say there, there's some things, I mean, there like between the songs and stuff, it's all, there's like this vo- poetic voiceover that's done by Beyonce. So, I mean, the, the Malik influence is super heavy, super yeah. heavy. I mean, if, if you came and said, Hey, here's this new, uh, Beyonce film. It's directed by Terrence Malick. I'd be like, okay, yeah, I can totally see it. Like, yeah, it, I would imagine that her approach is much better than his. Oh no, it's. I mean, it's it's it makes sense. Like, yes, it's very. It is very. Um, it's not as abstract and like random bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it, it all it all makes it makes thematic sense too. Like, yeah, that, that, that's strung together old white man existential bullshit. Right. And that's kind of the interesting thing about Lemonade is that it all, it has a very, uh, it has a very good flow to it. Like it is an album. I mean, it's a visual album, but all of the songs fit together and it makes like kind of a cohesive story and narrative. And like, you can, you you can easily see like, okay, this is transitioning into that. And even though the videos, a lot of the videos look very different from each other, they all kind of bleed together. Uh, in a very very cohesive way, and I would say definitely check it out once it. I, I imagine it'll be available again in the near future, but it's it is totally worth seeing. Yes, I, I was really surprised. I can't wait to see this. It's it pretty much blew me away. I was just like, holy shit, this looks incredible. <laughs> I love that this is this has become like 
my most anticipated movie of 2016. <laughs> I just want to see Lemonade. I want to see it uh, so bad. Yeah, the... Man, yeah. Uh, I, I won't talk about it anymore. I'll let you see it and experience it. But All right, that's all I got. All right, I just have one more, and that's Special Correspondence. This is a Netflix movie that came out this week. Uh, Ricky Gervais. Oh, boy. Uh, this oh, boy. This is, so this is starring and directed by Ricky Gervais, and it also stars Eric Bana and Vera Farm- Farmiga and Kelly McDonald. It is terrible. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it is absolutely awful. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what was going on with this, but it is not funny in the slightest bit. It's just... So the premise is that Eric Bana plays this radio newscaster guy. He's, he's a reporter. He's he's kind of uh like I guess locally famous and he gets this assignment where he has to go to Ecuador to report on this um like rebel coup or something that's taking place and he he and Ricky Gervais who's his sound engineer go to head off to Ecuador but Ricky Gervais being the numbskull that he is throws away the plane tickets so they can't go to Ecuador and they decide to pretend that they're in Ecuador even though they're still in New York and they file reports you know saying that they're in Ecuador and even though they're not even there oh my god it sounds like so many hijinks like a cavalcade of hijinks yeah yeah like they're walking down the street and they get a call and they're like and they're like uh Kevin Pollack plays their boss, and he's like, yeah, I need you to go on right now with an update. And they're like, oh, no, we're walking down the street in New York. You People can hear, like, the subway go by and taxis honking their horns and people yelling things. And they're like, we got to come up with an excuse for this. And then, like, Ricky Gervais is making helicopter noises with his mouth. So they're like, oh, there's helicopters. And Ricky Gervais is like, oh, man, it is so. That sounds like a hoot. It is a hoot. I love the the post of this. The faces that Ricky Gervais makes on posters and shit just don't make it. Like who who ever makes that face? And what face? Like what feeling or emotion is he conveying in that? I don't understand this face. What he's doing with his face at all? I don't get it. I think Eric Bana's face is just the face of him in utter disgust that he agreed to do this movie <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> Uh, this sounds so terrible. Yeah, and of course they they end up having to actually go to Ecuador because oh. they end up coming up with this story that they got kidnapped because oh. you know that's that'll a good work idea. Out. Yeah, that'll work out for. And you. then they realize like, oh shit! Well, when we get rescued, we have to be there for them to rescue us. So they actually go to Ecuador, and then guess what? They get, oh, they get kidnapped. Fuck. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, Damn. they get kidnapped. Shit. It's like yeah, self fulfilling prophecy. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Eric Bana ends up sleeping with Ricky Gervais's wife, played by Vera Farmiga. Damn, why did they put that in there? <laughs> well, he doesn't know. Like, he doesn't know that it's his wife, but she's just this horrible person, and she, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a shoehorned in love story. What? Because then Ricky Gervais ends up kind of falling for kelly mcdonald who's works at the news station it's uh, i i i'm not even gonna waste my breath on it don't watch it it's bad it is bad <laughs> i'm now convinced that the reason that extras and um the office were so successful was 
due Steve. to Stephen Merchant. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to. Think I am now convinced too. that that is the what what's going on. Because the things that I've seen that he's done on his own compared to what Gervais has done on his own. Oh yeah, Merchant stuff is far more enjoyable. Yeah, that uh, I can't remember the name of the HBO show that he had. Stephen, I know Merchant. I can't either, but it was great. It was so good. Yeah. And like, what just what is Gervais doing now? Like, what what happened? I don't know. I that Derek show was bad. We have that, and then you have the with the is he doing commercials for Verizon or whatever? <laughs> like, those are the laziest commercials I've <laughs> yeah. ever seen in my life. Kansas City, the the whole Kansas City thing. Oh God, it's just ugh, what is happening? Yeah, I don't I don't know. That's I don't. Know. He was he was big for a minute, but. And then his the, the last Golden Globes that he did was like one of the worst things I've ever seen. I didn't even watch it, so oh, so yeah. terrible. All right, mm-hmm. let's move on and talk about some predictions. Last week we predicted Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said eighty-two. I said seventy-eight. Actual twenty. Damn. <laughs> wow. So the the video game curse has not been lifted for Ratchet and Clank. Didn't didn't quite work out the way we thought it would yeah i thought it was gonna be good i really did uh keanu you said 67 i said 70 actual 75 all right good so that one's apparently pretty good and then mother's day you said 48 i said 42 actual nine (laughs) (laughs) gary marshall bringing the heat wow another winner for for the old marshall oh boy and the funny thing is well the sad thing really is in two more, two more years, three more years, he's going to come out with another fucking holiday movie. we got to have Father's Day. You can't he's, do Mother's Day and not have Father's Day. Like, like, for whatever reason, like, nothing, he's indestructible. He can't be stopped. He'll come out with another one, and he'll have a shit ton of stars in it. And I'm guessing, I don't know if they, these movies make money, but I'm guessing as long as they keep making money, they'll still give him money to make more of them. I just, I don't see how they make money, though. I don't know. I don't know. I've never heard of anyone seeing any of these movies. No, I, I don't know. I think the only people that see them are critics that have to review them. <laughs> uh, they go to press screenings, so they probably don't even have to pay anyway. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Next week, we have a big one. Captain America Civil War. Oh, boy. Now, uh, there's, there's quite a bit of early buzz about this one it currently has a 94 percent on rotten tomatoes oh my goodness people are saying it's it's marvel's best so that's what they uh, say about every marvel movie that comes out well because they keep they keep one-upping themselves i don't know about that um mm, i think well i think the last captain america was probably the best marvel movie the thing that bothers me is the main reason i don't I have no interest in this movie. I'm not a big Captain America fan. I just don't like him as a character. I'm not a big Iron Man fan to begin with, but also at the same time, I'm just sick and tired of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. Like, he's been around forever, and I just, I need it to stop. Well, this movie may, it may end that chapter. I don't know. My God, I hope so. He's been in so many things. He's everywhere. Yeah. Like, he is the Marvel Universe. He's he's definitely the the one that, kickstarted the whole yeah you know resurgence I mean, he, of the comic book movie thing you have all of those and then he shows up in the avengers movies and now he's in the captain america movie and it's just 
let's retire. Let's retire Downey's uh, Iron Man. Let's stop it. Well, I think Civil War is going to be great. Uh, I'm interested to see what uh, the Joe and Anthony Russo do with it because this is going to be a much bigger scale. And I mean, these guys, it's interesting. You know, you, you hire these guys, and previous to to uh, I, I think they did the last one, Winter Soldier. Previous to that, they did like Arrested Development. You know, they did comedy stuff. Yeah. So it's just it's interesting that they that you know Marvel saw that and be like, you know, we'll bring these guys on, we'll bring these guys on to do this. It's just I don't know. It's just, but it, I mean, it worked. It, but it's which is ah, so bizarre to me. I guess just because they've kind of been to whatever Marvel wants is what I would know, imagine. Because you know they don't really have any clout of their own. Well, but uh, but I think that the, their voice is there. Like, with, with Favreau's Iron Man movies, you could definitely, at least I feel, like I could definitely feel Favreau's influence there. Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I guess, I think the real test will be when Taika Waititi does the next Iron Man, or um, Thor movie. Like, because that, because those two things, it's like, I, I, that really has me wondering how that's gonna work out oh it's so unfortunate i mean i'm happy because he he should get a nice paycheck from it but i don't, i would love to i i like the idea of him doing a superhero movie but thor's not the one that i because yeah. i don't he's my least favorite those the thor movies are my least favorite out of all of them yeah just ugh. not to say that they're not good but it's just they're not the, the just stories a, are not interesting to me he's just such a boring superhero yeah i agree all right Civil War. What are you thinking on this one? I'm thinking 86. All right. I'll say 89 on that. Yeah. I think it's going to be a big hit. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Mothers and Daughters. Not sure if this is getting a wide release or not. Probably not. Mothers but and Daughters. We can... I think it's a, it's a documentary. No. I don't no. Think so. No, it's not. I was thinking of something else. Who's, who's in this? This is the one with Susan Sarandon and Christina Ricci's in it. Selma Blair, what? Sharon Stone, Courtney Cox. What? Is this like a long lost movie from the 90s? It's uh, interwoven stories about what it means to be a mom, which oh. are tied together via single gal Rigby Gray, a rock photographer who's riding a career high when an unlikely and unexpected pregnancy forces her to turn her lens inward. See, and... Uh, I just, you say all of that, and you're like, you know who would be great? You would, you should probably have like a woman direct this. I know it's it's, not. <laughs> it's a guy. It's a guy. That's the, the first thing I thought was, oh, this must be directed, but nope. <laughs> and it's his first movie. Like, what? <sighs> I love it. It's just like those like gender equality symposiums where it's like all dudes on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's talk about abortion. With a round table of 37 guys, old white men, 65 years old and older. Oh, Jesus. Uh, let's see. Mothers and daughters, I'll say, ah, man, I have no idea. 56. Uh, 44. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, limited release next week. Let's see. We have a horror movie called Bite. It looks pretty gross. How to plan an orgy in a small town. I saw that at uh, some I think it was at South by Southwest, maybe. Ooh, that was Slam Dance, maybe. Oh yeah, maybe it was Slam Dance. Yeah, that's what it was. It was Slam Dance. Uh, not a big fan of that one. It was okay. Ooh, a Steven Seagal movie called Code of Honor. Nice. 
Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, Bridgend, which I saw at Tribeca last year. That's actually going to be on Fandor. Oh, nice. Yeah, Fandor exclusive. I didn't like it. Um, I didn't hate it, but I, didn't, I didn't, wasn't a big fan. Let's see. That's pretty much it. A bigger splash comes out on the 4th, apparently. Well, that's the one with uh, Tilda Swinton, I believe, and Dakota Johnson. Yeah, and Showing Arts. Yeah. Ralph Fiennes. Yeah. It's from the director of I Am Love. Yeah. Like, yep. Which I heard that it's kind of it's terrible, but yet it has an 85%, so that's odd. It looks bad. I've seen trailers for it a few times. It's, about, it's like a crazy... Yeah, it's swap. It's a it's young, like a young, couple, swap. young couple and an old couple. They get rejuvenated by the young couple. I've never seen that before. Yeah. And there's also Odiard's Deep Hand. Yes, that comes out too. Deep Hand. Seems like that's been forever since it won can. Yeah. Took a good old time releasing that one. Yeah. Next week on Video on Demand, we have, let's see, Tuesday, Crossing Point. Uh, sure. So Diabolico comes out. That was uh, I saw that last year at Tribeca as well. Um, that's the one from uh, Antonio Garcia Bogliano, the guy that did um, Here Comes the Devil, or was it Here Comes the Devil? I think so. The one about the kids in the mm-hmm. the mountain. That one that you didn't like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also he did. He also did uh, Late Phases. Uh, this one I like. I thought it was his best movie yet i liked it quite a bit really messed up really messed up movie but it's uh worth checking out restoration uh it's another horror movie the best of it and then friday we have the family fang the horde which is another horror movie bite and then brigand 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 hi so, yeah, a decent amount to choose from next week. I'll probably be checking out The Family Fang. I'll probably check out Bite. Uh, maybe Restoration, and I might rewatch Sure So Diabolico. Oh, boy. Yeah, so number of, number of things to look out for next week. Uh, Blu-ray. This is for Tuesday, May 3rd. There you go. We that have... is correct. Correct week. Good job. <laughs> we have The Fifth Wave. That's that young adult one with uh, Chloe Grace Moretz. That I heard is terrible. We have Remember. Is that uh, Adam Agoyan? Is that, is that who did that? I think so. Um, well, the one with Christopher Plummer. We have Emily. That's a horror movie that I would recommend that I saw at Tribeca last year. A lot of Tribeca stuff seems to be popping up. This is the week. Yeah. The Choice, which is the uh, Nicholas Sparks one that looks... Like a Nicholas Sparks movie. Submerged, which I saw. Uh, it's a horror thriller. Not not good. And it looks like it's pretty much it. Joy is coming out. I don't know if that was already released or not. What now? Joy. Joy. Is that the one about the mop? Yeah. About that mop? Miracle mop. That shitty mop. The worst fucking mop ever. Yeah. Fucking shit mop. Uh, there's also a Ted, a Ted collection, the and it's Ted versus Flash Gordon, where it's Ted, Ted two, and then Flash Gordon. Do you get to see both? Or do they mash them up? Probably not. They have like a mashup cover. That's pretty much it. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, what do we have on the Criterion front next week? Yeah, we got one from 1969. Dennis Hopper's Easy Rider. Yeah, we should have a review for this up. 
Oh, uh, you're gonna hopefully tomorrow. You're gonna cover some Easy Rider. I am. Yeah, it's been Did a you... while. It's been a while since I've seen it. It's a shitty movie. I just I want to see if I still dislike it as much as I did last yeah. time. It's a shit movie. It's a classic though. It's like no, I, 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 tr- I try to force myself to like that movie. I don't understand why people like it. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it. I don't get it. That ending shot is pretty badass though. The way they end the movie. Pretty fantastic. Everything else is garbage. Garbage. Fuck you, Easy Rider. Easy Rider. Don't like you at all. I think more than anything, it's just looked at as, as far as the influence that it had on the film industry. Yeah, but it just kind of irritates me because its entire look is just has been was done to death. Like the entire decade leading up to when they made it—that's what Eastern European cinema is doing. Like they were doing exactly what, like Easy Rider, just looks like a ripoff of an Eastern European movie. Like the whole look of it. Yeah, and that just irritates me for some reason. Well, we're ignorant Americans that you know don't have much exposure to world it's- cinema. It's just irritating because it's just it's stoners talking. Like, who the fuck wants to listen to stoners talk? Are you serious? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I haven't re- I haven't watched it yet, but I'll probably watch it today. So I'll report back. All right, I think that that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter, at FilmPulseNet and at FilmPulseKevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash FilmPulse, and consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we will see you next week. Oh, my God.